Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible? I'm going to read to you Revelations 4, 8, and then I'm going to pray. It says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around under its wings. Day and night... They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you put that in your mind? This creature in heaven, these four creatures that are around the throne, and they surround the throne, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you so much for your word and the authority of your word this morning. Lord, whether we're online, whether we're here, listen to the podcast, we thank you, God, for your ability, for your word to speak to us. Holy Spirit, teach us, lead us. Lord, we want to hear your word, but we want to have insight and understanding your word. We want to grow closer to you and know you. We thank you for your word's authority to speak to our hearts. And so today we just say, Lord, have your way. Every heart, every person, have your way. We thank you. We worship you. Lord, I pray, would you just give me the empowerment of your spirit, God? Share what's in your heart. Lord, we just uh, depend on you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to dig into um, a particular word that's used a lot in the Bible. It's the word holy. As a matter of fact, some of your Bibles say holy Bible on them. So first, let's talk a little bit about the meaning of this word holy because we hear it a lot, the Holy Bible, the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy means sacred rather than common or mundane. It means sacred rather than profane or sinful. Um, Holy is this idea of no pollution, absolutely clean, pure, not defiled at all. In fact, holy is, is not only without sin and defilement, but it's actually in opposition to it. And And holy can also be considered a realm, like a a separate realm, in that there's a realm of the holy, and there's a realm of the common, and there's a realm of the the profane. And, you know, the realm of the common and the profane, if you will, they often mix and are all together. Um, But it's important to understand that the realm of the holy is separate from that which is common and profane. Um, God is holy. In Isaiah 17, it says calls him the Holy One of Israel. God is he's intrinsically holy. Um, it's simply part of God's identity. He is sacred. He is not common. He is transcendent, meaning he is apart from everything natural, apart from natural limitations. He is above it all. And we have this paradox about God because he is the most high God in that he is above and separate, and that's why we can have this awe of who God is. But he is also the most nigh God, in that he is the most close and the most present and the most uh, intimate. And, 
And so holy is an aspect of this transcendence or this otherness or of God and how he is uh, completely separate from what is common. And so holy describes God's nature. Totally good, entirely without evil. Are you thankful that he is without evil? Aren't you glad that he doesn't have just kind of like a side of him that's like, well, let me... Like, I'm thankful that he's completely good. He's free of any moral imperfections. And in the Old Testament, objects could be holy. Um, they would have like these, these systems of worship, right? They'd have an altar where they would make sacrifices, but before they would use the altar, they would have basically ceremonially, they would say, okay, now we are setting apart this altar only to be used for the things of God. So now this is a holy altar, if you will, right? Or they had um, bowls and lampstands and plates and tables and all kinds of things for, that, w- that were used in the systems of worship. And uh, they would take and they would make it a special bowl, right? Or a special uh, utensil that was specifically for the things of God. And when they did that, they, they made it holy. They uh, went through this process, they, they called it consecration, which is just a fancy way of setting it apart for the purpose of being sacred and holy. It's like, you don't use that fork. My wife has a, a china cabinet, and uh, in that china cabinet, there is china. I don't think I've ever eaten off the china, <laughs> ever. It looks pretty, it's beautiful, it's, it really is beautiful. She's got a, a couple sets of china. Um, but, you know, it's for a special purpose. Apparently, the special purpose has not come. <laughs> it's so holy, so special, it hasn't even arrived yet. I think, I think when Jesus returns, he's going to be, get me some of Elizabeth's china. It's never been used. Um, but that's the concept of something that is holy. It, it is set apart, consecrated, for a sacred purpose. And... The tabernacle of Moses was like that um, in the temple. And the tabernacle of Moses was like this mobile tent system, if you will, that they used in the Old Testament when they were wandering. And they would set up and tear down as they moved around the wilderness. Then later on, they built a, a permanent temple. But in either tabernacle of Moses or, tabernacle or the temple, um, the permanent one, if you will, um, they had sacred places. And they actually used the word holy to describe them. Inside of it was this place called the holy place. And that holy place, that sacred place, that not common place, if you will, the clean room, right, was the place that the priests would go in and they would minister and uh, they would minister unto the Lord and that kind of thing. But then inside the holy place was the most holy place. Apparently that's like the china cabinet that's not even at home, right? It's somewhere special. The most holy place where only the high priest could enter. That's one person who was the high priest. Only once a year. And he could only go in with the blood of the atonement. Um, there's, there's some theories that we, we think that, um, we're not 100% sure, but we, there's some theories that they would tie a rope onto his ankle and they, put, they had bells around the bottom of his, um, of his garment. And if they, at some point, heard the bell stop too long, they realized that he died in the most holy place. And nobody wanted to go in. And so they'd just pull him out, kind of thing. Um, I'm not 100% sure. We're going to find out in heaven if that actually is the way. I've heard it preached, so it must be true. Um, But I do do like to find it in the research before we preach it. Um, But needless to say, 
the temple, the holy place, and the most holy place, they were taken very, very seriously. Even in the New Testament times when Jesus was alive and after, um, the Jewish rulers, if, if someone from the outside were to come and desecrate the temple, the Jewish rulers would execute the person. Like, they took it very, very seriously. And, you know, this idea of a holy place or a most holy place is this concept that gets pulled into the New Testament but in a really radical way. And I want to read to you in Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, here we see this holy place um, and, the, and the most nigh God combining, if you will. And the most high God in that he's, you know, apart and holy and he's so good that that we couldn't come to him on our own terms in our own way because he's so pure and good and sacred and set apart. And yet he wants to be with us and be nigh to us. And so you see these ideas collide in this scripture. And when it says that we have confidence to enter the most holy place, this is a wait what moment? Because the most holy place was the last place that you were confident to go in. As a matter of fact, nobody had any business going in there. But it says in Scripture that Jesus is our high priest and that he is over and he is made away. And there was this, there was this uh, curtain that um, kept the, the most holy place and the holy place separate. And it says that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was ripped not from bottom to top, but that curtain ripped from top to bottom. It was like God himself opened it up and said, you can come in. Man, that's like, that's a wait what moment in Scripture. And it shows how much God wants us to be close to Him, and it shows how inaccessible God would be if it wasn't for the fact that He desires to be close to us. And it shows how powerful the blood of Jesus really is to take away our sins, and how sufficient the work of the cross is to put us in a place where we can relate correctly to the Lord. I told someone recently that I was sharing uh, Jesus with, I, I said the way I would describe it is when you receive Jesus on, in your life, he treats you like you've never sinned, even though you still got issues. He treats you like you've never sinned. And yet the rest of it, your life, he's working in you to change and to transform you. But because of what Jesus has done, he's treats you like you never did anything wrong. We have this great privilege to approach a holy God sincerely and confidently. And I think, I think what God would want us to look at that is as, Yes, I want you to come in confidently, and yes, I want you to respect the fact that a high price was paid for you to do it. Can I say that again? I want you to respect the fact, or to, to embrace the fact that you can come into my presence confidently, but I want you to respect the fact that a very high price, the price of Jesus giving his life on the cross, was what brought us into this union and into this closeness with the Father. Because 
It shouldn't be so casual that we make it common because if it's common, then it's no longer holy, right? And so there should be something in us that goes, yes, I can come to my Father with confidence. Yes, He wants to receive me. And yes, I I can sense His presence in my life. I can sense His work in my life. But I wanted you to know that I didn't get there on my own. I didn't make a way on my own. It was Jesus Christ who made a way for me to be able to come to Him. And I am in awe of who He is. And I'm so an honor to be able to come into His presence and to worship Him because people weren't able to do it the same way before. And there's this awe that comes over us about this holy and amazing and good and pure God. And then, as God's people, you and I are called to be holy. In Leviticus, this is in the Old Testament, 2026, it says, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Fast forwarding into the New Testament, the way Peter says it in 1 Peter 1.14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This this idea of being called into this place of holiness is a very honoring thing. That God would say, I want you to be consecrated. I want you to set yourself apart. I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke that to me personally during our fast in in January. And um, I just felt like the Lord is like, I have set you apart. I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to set yourself apart. And he just gave me some things on my heart that I'm not going to share with you that, um, in this moment because it's just between me and him. And, and just like, I want you to just set yourself aside because I see you as consecrated and separated for me. So you are, you are holy for him. You are separated for him. And... It's fascinating because then you think about the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating that God calls His Spirit the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is is not common. The Spirit is not profane. The Spirit is not evil, but the Spirit is good, clean, pure. And the Lord has given you and I I mean, my mind is just like obliterated. The Lord has given you and I who are born again the Holy Spirit. Jesus was excited to announce to his disciples that, listen, yes, I'm going to die on the cross and I will rise again and I'm going to go into heaven. But listen, you just wait. The Father has got quite a present in mind for you. You just wait. Like Literally, go wait in Jerusalem for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're going to love it. You're going to love the Holy Spirit because he's going to feel just like me, is what Jesus is saying. It's like you hear me, you hear the Holy Spirit, you hear me. You hear us, you hear the Father. And it's like this beauty within the Trinity. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon you 
Because the work has been done, the work on the cross has been finished, the debt has been paid, the access has been made, and now you can be born again of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So Jesus told his disciples, go and wait for this Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians Ephesians talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Totally makes sense. Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ Jesus, Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow, what a powerful scripture. And I love the way that Paul is kind of put, the author of this is putting this together in that he's saying, listen, um, you have this Holy Spirit. You were sealed for the day of redemption, the day when Jesus returns and we go to heaven forever. You have been sealed for that day. So don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit and don't go out and be rotten because you have the Holy Ghost and because you are called to be holy. So don't go do all those things because you've been set apart. You've been sealed for this day in which the Lord will come. When I read this, it makes me want to be a better person. When I consider how good and how holy God is, it makes me want to be better. It makes me want to be intentional about how I separate myself from the world system, if you will. And I don't mean like I want to leave the mission field because we're called to be in the world, in the mission field. Amen? But I want to, I want to, I want to retract from just the common and the profane, to be with the one who is sacred, pure, and good. I want to retract from what is common and profane, to be with the one who is good and sacred and pure. Now, I've got literally in my notes, it says, warning, warning. You can't allow this thinking to lead you into a legalism. And let me tell you how that works. All of a sudden, in my head, I go, I have to be good, and I must do everything good. Otherwise, he's not going to love me anymore. I must work hard and be good. And, and here's the problem. If you start thinking like that, you'll create performance mentality in your mind, thinking you're trying to earn points with Jesus. Y'all, we are all failures. And he's the one who redeems us. It's in our humility in coming to him and going, I can't be good like you're good. And yet... Save me, I want to follow you and be more like you. In that process, God empowers you and enables you to do good things. You don't empower and work in your own strength. God empowers you to do good things. You don't work at it in your own strength and your own ability to like earn some kind of favor and points. Well, if I do this thing, maybe if I go to church on Sunday, maybe this, work, this, um, this meeting on, uh, during my week will go better like I wanted it to, or you know, like I'm manipulating God. Say this gently. That's what people do with idols. 
They bring sacrifices trying to manipulate the hand of God to do something for them. We're in a relationship with a God that we don't deserve, who loves us passionately and cares for us so much that he would give his only son. And he's not looking for you to perform. He's looking for you to follow. And as you follow him, you will be transformed to be more like him. You can't let your life become about all the don'ts, 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 because then you're not focused on all the great things we get to do. It's really about following him. But there is this thing in us where we go, yeah, but I am inspired to live different because God is different. And because my, my identity is different in him. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. And I, if we were to go around this room, uh, I bet every one of us has got a story of who we were apart from Christ. And when we're really honest with ourselves, we fall so short. It's not to shame us, but that's to just bring honor and glory to how much He loves us and how much He has redeemed us. We've been forgiven much, so we love much. But I think reflecting on the holiness of God makes me think, I just want to be more like my Father. I don't want to be aloof, not that the Father's aloof. That's not what holy means, is aloof. But I respect the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside me and that I serve a God who is holy and that when I go to heaven, heaven is a holy place. Why not practice now? Right? Why not be ready now? When I read 1 Peter 2.9, I feel like I read this scripture to you guys about once a month. Maybe God is saying something to us. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood. A what church? A holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Revelations is such a beautiful place that really describes this holiness of God. And in Revelations 4, 8, I, I, I talked to you a little bit about these four living creatures that are around the throne. Re, listen to this with me. Ephesians, excuse me, Revelations 4, 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, under, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying. They never stopped declaring, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There's a, there is a song being played in heaven on repeat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's good news for us, that He is that good that He is that wonderful, that He is that pure, that He is that trustworthy, that there is no evil in Him, that He is sacred, not common, that our God is amazing and good and pure and strong and the creator of the universe. This is the God that we serve. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because we're going to close with a song. Um, but I want to I say this while they're coming. Maybe you're here today and you're hearing this message 
And maybe, maybe you have not yourself taken this step of saying, I belong to Jesus. I'm going to give my life over to him. I want to tell you what that means. What it means is to say, okay, I no longer want to be in charge of my own life, but I'm going to yield my life to the hands of God and just say, God, I want to follow you. Jesus, what you've done on the cross by paying for my sin and raising from the dead, yes, I need my sins paid for. And when he forgives your sin, he removes it as far as the east is from the west and he no longer holds it over your head. He says that you are completely forgiven. He's paid for all of your sin. He's paid for sins you haven't done yet and that you're still going to need to ask for forgiveness yet unless you're all of a sudden perfect. And I've met most of us. Well, I don't think any of us are perfect yet. We're still on this journey. But it's this commitment that says, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to know you. I want to have you in my life. When you make that commitment to the Lord, the, whole, the Lord gives you his Holy Spirit. It's what he says in John chapter 3 about being born again. He brings the Holy Spirit into your life and he empowers you to live life following him. I want to tell you today, if you've never taken that step, you should do it today. You should make today the day that you said, Jesus, I need you 100% in my life. I want to know you and I want to follow you. And um, thank you for forgiving my sin. Forgive all of it. And he will come into your life. If that's a decision that you're making today, um, if you're here, don't leave here today without letting me pray with you. Catch me at some point. Wait it out if someone's talking to me, but I want to talk with you and pray with you. If you're online and you're making that decision today, you can go to victorychristian.church and you click on next steps and I'll reach out to you this week and we'll pray together. Amen. Would you stand with me? I asked Matt and the team, I said, will you sing this song that we've sung already this morning? But I feel like now we're going to sing it with a knowing a little more about holy. And if there's some way that you need to respond to Jesus in your own heart, thinking and considering how holy he is, that he's called us to be holy, you just take care of that right now. But one thing you're not allowed to do is leave here in shame. Because God comes to remove our shame, not to shame us. So if you have something and you're like, I need to get this off, your ch- off my chest, get it off your chest and tell him. Repent, tell him, forgive me, and he will remove not only the sin, but he will remove the shame. Amen? Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.